I'm Dr. Michael Latola. And I'm Megan Strong. Stop pretending you care about Olympic fencing. It's time for Chairside Live. Welcome to episode 14 of Chairside Live. Megan, how are you? Doing spectacular. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. We've got an interesting case of the week for you today. In fact, the dentist uh, wanted to have a, an occlusal splint made, one of our comfort hard soft splints, but many times when we don't have enough undercut, we have to switch to a different material, something called Astron, and this has some unique physical properties that really make it an interesting material to use, and so I wanna share that with you today. But before we get to that, let's go to Megan in the news. Students at NYU College of Dentistry got a pretty big shock in their mail recently. They received a letter from the faculty informing them that they were switching from amalgam to composite. The faculty said that beginning immediately, all treatment plans should consider alternative restorative materials other than amalgam. They were clear to state that they were not discontinuing the use of amalgam, but rather changing the default restoration from amalgam to composite. They cited clinical and environmental concerns for the switch. According to the American Student Dental Association, students at NYU were shocked and frustrated with the new policy. However, these concerns are said to have subsided. So Dr. D, I know you mentioned this story in the upcoming issue of Chairside, and so I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Well, it's interesting. Um, I never thought I would see the day uh, or practice long enough where a dental school would actually say that the default direct material of choice would be composite uh, rather than amalgam, but you know, it's probably a pretty decent choice because when you uh, are in private practice and seeing a lot of people, um, composite has become a more typical restoration than amalgam, so they're still going to teach them how to do the silver fillings on the typodonts, on the fake mouths, but they're going to need faculty justification to actually put uh, an amalgam in a live patient's mouth. So it's weird because it seems like an updated way of doing things, but by the same token, we've had those silver amalgam fillings for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got longevity unlike any other restoration. So you could make the point that that would be the most conservative decision because we know these fillings, you know, even if you don't put them in very good, they last a really long time. But that's what the faculty decided was they wanted to go with composite because you can do a more conservative preparation. All you have to do is remove the caries. There's no extension for prevention. You don't have to make it two millimeters thick for strength. And so they decided to go with conservatism based on the prep itself, although some people would probably argue um, that it's more conservative to use a restorative material that's been proven to last 35 or 40 years in somebody's mouth. So it remains to be seen if other dental schools are going to follow their lead, but it's certainly an interesting development. Anything else? Yes. As if smokers needed another reason to quit, a new study shows that nicotine boosts the growth of bacteria that cause cavities. The study used seven strains of Streptococcus mutans, which are the bacteria associated with cavities. They found that the nicotine increases the growth of these decay-causing bacteria, which live and multiply in plaque. In the study, the bacteria treated with nicotine created thicker plaque than the untreated bacteria. Nicotine also increased the metabolism of the bacteria. A faster metabolism allows bacteria to make more acid, which in turn leads to the erosion of tooth enamel and the formation of cavities. All in all, it's just one more reason to quit this extremely harmful habit. Yeah, you know, we've got several, lots of reasons now uh, to, to stop smoking, and the only reason to continue is just because of how cool everybody on Mad Men looks uh, while they're doing it. But as a dentist, when you look into people's mouths, you can always tell when it's somebody who's a smoker. You know, you can tell by the gum tissue and it's, it, you can, you've had a loss of attachment and you see root surfaces and you've always seen kind of an increase uh, in the amount of caries and cavities that they have as well. I always thought it was related to the periodontal disease, 
but this study shows that it's, uh, it's actually due to the fact that uh, when you hit those bacteria with the nicotine, they actually shift into high gear and start creating more destruction. So it's, it really is kind of awful. And, um, and I see when I travel around now that smokers have just been, you know, here in California, as opposed to the rest of the nation, you can't smoke in a restaurant right. or a bar anymore. Uh, I go to other cities. I was in Florida for a lecture a couple of months ago and was shocked to walk into a restaurant and see the people two tables Because you're away. used to it not being legal. Absolutely. And you can still smoke in a restaurant, you know, in Florida while you're sitting. Couldn't you know? imagine. So we do a lot of weird things here in California, but I think that's one of the good ones we do. And it would be nice if people were able to stop smoking for their dental health. In fact, everything I do here when we work on patients um, is photographed and is filmed. And so to get good case results, we actually will not work on any patients here who are smokers. So there's people who want to have dental work done, uh, but we can't do it on them if they smoke because we'll never get a good result. It's really difficult to get good impressions, for example, in the mouth of somebody who smokes. All right, thank you very much, Megan. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the case of the week. This week's case of the week, we're going to take a look at an occlusal splint case, but I just wanted to bring up a couple general principles. Most of the dentists who are sending us uh, splints are taking alginate impressions in their office, pouring these up, and then sending the models to us separately. So we end up getting models in the mail like this, and, and they're taken from alginate. And if they're taken properly, where you smear alginate on the occlusal surface with your fingers in the patient's mouth before you take it, you can definitely get a pretty good result with alginate. Uh, pour it up, obviously, as quickly as possible, and then leave the model actually in the alginate impression and send that to us. You'd be surprised how many thin models we get, and as a result, we receive more broken models than we care to get, and then you care to get because you have to have the patient back and take another impression. So when you pour your alginates, leave them in the impression tray and actually send it out to us like that. It acts as a protector for the model, and we'll separate the model when it gets to us here in the laboratory. That's probably accounts for, you know, probably 60 or 70% of the cases we get. And then the rest are impressions that are sent in from the dentist. If you're gonna send it to us, please take it in polyvinyl or an alginate substitute material. To wrap it in a wet paper towel and send it in a baggie is, is just not gonna uh, get it done. And there are a lot of fit related issues that we see related to distorted impressions. Um, it really is the best way. If you wanna take polyvinyl, uh, and no need to pour it in your office, just send it to us. If you're going to take alginate to save money, uh, take it, pour it immediately, and then just leave it in the model and send it out to us. Uh, most of the dentists that we get send us a bite where what they'll actually do is take bite registration material and they'll squirt it along the patient's lower arch and then they just have the patient close completely together in maximum intercuspation. So we end up with a really thin strip of bite registration because the patient's biting all the way together. This really doesn't do anything for us and we really don't need it. In fact, if you just want us to determine the thickness of the occlusal splint for you, just take a very nice upper and lower alginate impression and pour it yourself or take polyvinyls and send it and we will hand articulate the models. You don't even need to take that bite registration. But if in fact you want to determine uh, the position the patient's gonna be in, you know, the thickness of the occlusal splint itself. You can certainly do that. There's a couple ways to do that. We have a video on our website showing how to do it with two cotton rolls where the patient bites down into two cotton rolls. And then we do bite registration material here in the anterior and then one on the posterior and one on the posterior over here. So we have a tripod, three little bites while the patient relaxes onto those two cotton rolls. I've seen doctors use golf tees. We literally will see golf tees that come in. They're kind of stuck to the bite registration or even something like the handle 
of this scalpel could work where the patient just bites and then something stops them from biting all the way together so that you have a couple millimeters of space in between uh, their posterior teeth. So there's different gauges and things that you can use to stop them when they bite together. And um, when we make a splint like that, we use these articulators. This is a Galetti articulator. I don't know if you're familiar. You probably haven't seen one of these. Uh, it looks like something from maybe the turn of the century and actually is designed a long time ago. But one of the nice things about it is it's a stone-free mounting. So the models just screw right into that articulator. That's one thing we like about it. Not only does it end up being cleaner, but you don't have the distortion uh, from the mounting stone that typically holds these casts to the articulator itself, which can throw the bite off. So we feel it's very accurate. And then we can open with this screw right here, we can actually open uh, these two models apart from each other in a straight vertical direction to create thickness uh, for a splint. So if you have a splint that you send to us and you want it at a certain diameter and you used a couple cotton rolls to take the bite like this doctor did, we can make a, a splint for you to that exact dimension and replicate that on the Galetti articulator. And so that's another reason uh, that we like to use uh, these articulators if you have something of a known thickness that you want. Now, most of the splints that we make are in fact this hard soft material, our comfort splint as I wiggle this off. And you can always tell it's one of those by when you take your fingernail uh, on the inside and you squeeze it into it, you can feel that soft layer. And one of the nice things about these hard soft splints is that if the patient doesn't wear it because they're not uh, grinding their teeth for say uh, four to six weeks or maybe even two or three months, when they go to put this back in again, a lot of times if the teeth have shifted around, which teeth have a tendency to do, uh, it can be very tight in certain areas. And with this soft layer on the inside, now all of a sudden it'll accommodate a little bit of that tooth movement as long as it hasn't been more than a couple tenths of a millimeter. Beyond that, it's a little more difficult to do. So this is our most popular splint. It's a very easy one to work with. It's comfortable because it's hard on the outside with the soft layer on the inside. But there's times where we don't quite have enough retention on the teeth. There's not enough undercut. And so we'll often call you and tell you that we want to switch you to something called an Astron splint, as you see here. And one of the differences with the Astron splint is you can see the little ball clasps that we have. So this material allows us to use some ball clasps to get some additional retention in addition to what we already have. And there's some other neat things. This is the thermoactive uh, appliance as well. And in just a minute, I'll show you how we can use this. So the Astron is also very good. It's hard. It's fully hard. There's no soft layer on the inside, but it's thermally active. So when we heat this up, we can actually, as you'll see, there's a lot of movement to it and we can pop it into the patient's mouth while it's soft and it'll reconform itself to the patient's teeth and they can bite back into it. And as it cools in their mouth, it readapts itself to the teeth. So that's one of the neat things about this. One of the newer things we have, this is like the hard soft splint that you saw before, except this one's blue. This obviously isn't for daytime wear. This is for patients who are wearing it at night, but clear splints sometimes are a little difficult to find. And so uh, this blue material is not an obnoxious blue, but it makes it easy to be able to find it when it's sitting on your uh, bedside table to see it if it happens to be in a glass of water, wherever the patient might put it, and it doesn't see the same kind of discoloration issues 
or the yellowing the way that the clear splints do. So this blue one's been one that's become more popular. This is a regular hard soft splint and really the only difference is the color of the material itself. So let's go ahead and take a look at what happens if we heat some water up to 150 degrees and then we're going to place this Astron splint in there for about two minutes. So I'll go, I've heated this up to in the microwave to about 150 degrees. So I'll drop the Astron splint in there and we're just going to leave it there for about two minutes. So we can just pretend that uh, we've got a patient who is in for the initial delivery of this splint and maybe it seems like it's rocking just a little bit or not kind of snapping in like it should. Or this could also be a patient who, as I mentioned before, hasn't worn it for six to eight weeks and it doesn't seem like it wants to go down all the way. In fact, the, if you trust the patient enough, they could probably do this um, themselves at home. If you trusted them to heat the water up to 150 degrees without burning themselves, you know, it's about two and a half minutes in an average uh, microwave. Uh, or if you trusted them not to put something that was too hot in their mouth, probably better done uh, by your dental assistant in the office though, where the temperature of the water can be controlled and then someone else can be there to put the splint in the mouth, make sure it you know, seats and then have them close into it. And once they've closed into it and you've let it cool in their mouth for a minute or two, I'll oftentimes take an air water syringe and use air and water to actually cool the splint while it sits on their teeth. So it's been two minutes, so let me go ahead and fish the Astron splint out of the water. And you'll notice what I can do with this now. You'll see, you know, you can twist it like a pretzel, basically. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. And so we seat this now on our mythical patient on their upper teeth. And then we have them bite together. And they can hold it together tightly for about two minutes here. And when it's in the patient's mouth, uh, any little distortions or tooth movement will now be accommodated by the Astron splint. You know, it's not like they can take their uh, wife's splint and you can heat it up and put it in the husband's mouth. But if it's the person's splint and there's been a little physiological tooth movement, you can have them bite together. And again, once it's been in for a minute or two, then you would have the patient open and then hit it with an air water syringe with some cool water to finish the cooling procedure on the splint itself and then be able to take it out and then re-verify that it fits the patient. So again, that's the Astron splint. It's the one that we use when we don't have enough undercut on the teeth and so we can put some ball clasps in there that'll help with it. And also one of the neat things about it is is that it's thermally active. And so if we have a issue when we go to seat it originally or down the road, we can heat it up, put it back into the patient's mouth, seat it, have them bite together and re-establish that fit. That about wraps it up for this week's edition of Chairside Live. On behalf of myself, Megan, and all of us here at the laboratory, I want to thank you for your time and your continued commitment to quality dentistry. We'll see you next time. Hey, who woke up for the earthquake? Another one. What? Whoa, I am so awesome. <laughs> I, I'm like a dog, I sensed it. Yes, of course. Last night at 11. He literally, as the word earthquake came out of his mouth, the studio shut. I know. We've got it on tape.